time to start. Hey, good morning. On this cold, frosty last day of 2023, let's all say bye, bye to 2023. And let's hope 24 is going to be a good year. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together as we begin our worship.
wave at everybody that's here. If you wave back to the camera, you'll wave at everybody uh, that's tuning in today. We're so delighted to have you in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. It's a, it's a beautiful day the Lord has given us today, isn't it? Amen, it is. And we're beautiful. Good to see your smiling faces today. Uh, we do have a lot of sickness that's going on around us uh, right now. Everywhere you look, it seems like there's somebody sick. But you're here, so we're glad that you're here. We have some people visiting with us. Welcome. We're delighted to have you uh, worshiping with us on this last day of 2023 and beginning a whole new year, uh, not uh, in 2024. Let me just talk about just a couple of things that, uh, that uh, I need to uh, point out to you that's going on. Uh, this Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, we will resume our regular schedule. Then the holidays, we sort of get uh, on a different schedule and uh, doing things in a different way. But with our uh, kids' ministries and also our adult Bible study, We'll start at 7 o'clock here in the sanctuary for the adults and then uh, back in the back for the kids uh, at 7 o'clock. Also, there is at 745, there will be a brief members meeting uh, of the church. That will be our annual uh, business meeting. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, at 745, uh, you can join us here in the sanctuary. And that, will, that, again, will be a brief meeting. Also, next Sunday... On the 7th will be the beginning of the Women's Ministry Bible Study, and that will be here at the church in the Friendship Hall. And uh, so anyone that's uh, interested in that, any of the ladies in the church, if you're interested in this Bible study, I'm not exactly sure what they're doing. Paul is passing out information. Uh, my wife, that's my wife, Paula, uh, is passing out information. But if so, if you are uh, interested uh, in participating in that, that's a great Bible study, so join them next Sunday. Also, next Sunday we'll begin our what we do annually here at the church and churches across America. I do the same thing. We'll be starting our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, so we'll start uh, on Sunday, on the uh, 7th. We will end on Saturday the 28th, if I got my dates right. Uh, so, uh, so please remember that. Uh, and again, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, when we say 21 days of uh, prayer and fasting, that does not mean that you have to go three weeks and not eat. I don't scare anybody off, but it is your determination. However, we're just, it's, an, it's a protracted a period of, of prayer and fasting, uh, and along the way, I will give you things to pray for and uh, things that you can join us together in prayer uh, over these 21 days. And uh, so it's a, it's a time, I consider this as a time to reset. You know, sometimes we need to, we, we need to reset spiritually. And, uh, and I think this is a good time for us to do a reset, you know, come off the uh, holiday seasons over the Christmas, and, and the people have been so busy and their thoughts are scattered every which way. Sometimes we need to get back and focus on what's most important, and that's our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so however you choose to fast, I, I, I don't have a particular formula. Uh, the only thing I will tell you is that uh, in scripturally, and that's what I go by. I go by what we find scripturally. Now, some people fast TV. Some people fast uh, uh, social media. Um, as far as I'm concerned, I think you ought to just get off of it altogether. But uh, that, that, that's just me. That's just, that's just me. That's, that's, I'm not, that's not a command or demand. 
but, um, but in the scriptures, they don't talk about fasting things. It's always fasting food. That's, that's fasting is always about denying yourself some food. So however you choose to do that, sometimes something you particularly like, you know, one, one of my things is, is sweets. Anybody love sweets? Anybody like sweets? Any, 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 any of you have, have, is anybody overdosed from sweets in the last couple of weeks? I, I have. I've had some times, I, I think, I, you know, praise team is always, they're always accusing me. Have you been in the M&Ms again? Uh, they, 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 can, they can tell when I'm hopped up. And so they, I, I, tell, I blame it on the M&Ms. Uh, but no, uh, so if it's, if it's sweets or if it's a certain food or if there's a meal you want to fast, uh, you can do that on a daily basis or during the week. Whatever you choose, however you choose, but take some time. Deny yourself something and spend that time with the Lord and seeking Him and seeking His face. So, so that, that's, that's my take on fasting. So please remember that as we're going along. So um, also on Thursday evening will be the uh, ladies' auxiliary meeting at 7 o'clock again in the Friendship Hall. Uh, so please remember that as well. Also, the blood drive is coming up. That will, that, that will be on the 9th. That's not this week, but next week. Uh, so please uh, remember that uh, as, as well. Uh, and I guess this is a, an announcement, a prayer, uh, a prayer request, and I'll take prayers in just a little bit. Uh, but those of you who have been around me a lot, uh, you, know, uh, you know my afflictions. Uh, and uh, I'm having surgery again on uh, Tuesday uh, for skin cancer. I've had, I've had a lot of them. This, I tell you, I, I thought I was going to be through with them. But I actually I have, uh, um, uh, so I'm just telling you this, so you will see me banded up uh, almost a whole month of, uh, of January and end of February because I have a surgery Tuesday, I have a surgery on the 8th, and I also have a surgery on the 31st uh, already scheduled uh, to remove some cancerous uh, places on my scalp. And uh, so, uh, so, so be, be praying for me. So when I come in, you know, there he is. He's, he's at it again. And uh, so, uh, but um, anyway, that's, that's things we have to go through sometimes. So that's, uh, that, that's all the announcements. Again, delighted to have you here. And uh, so we want to continue on in our worship. Uh, for those of you that are new with us today, um, the, uh, one of the things I do is I always share some uh, words, what I call words from the word. Uh, this doesn't really necessarily have to do anything with the sermon. It's not a sermon text. Uh, it's just, it does relate to the theme of the day, which is, uh, is it, our, our theme for today is believing for the impossible. And so I want to share with you a little story, biblically, out of the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 18. It's going to begin with verse number 6. I just have to give a little bit of background this is, uh, this is between Abraham and Sarah. If you remember who Abraham is, Abraham uh, was chosen by God to be the father, the regenerator of the uh, Israeli nation, of the, of the Jews. And, um, and, and he, he chose Abraham, and Abraham was married to Sarah. And he told them that out of them, he would make them the father and the mother of many nations. Well, time went by, and Abraham grew older, Sarah grew older, and nothing had happened. There was no babies. 
There was no son. There was no heir. But finally, God's promise is about to come to pass. And this is where we're going to pick up the story with Abraham and Sarah. And actually, this is a part of an angelic visit that, that came to, uh, to Abraham and taught him. Matter of fact, some believe that one of, the, one of the men that were recognized later as angels, many believe it was actually a pre... I'm going to throw a theological terminology on you. Some believe it was a, a pre-incarnational uh, appearance of Jesus Christ. In other words, some theorize that one of, these, one of these men that appeared to Abraham was actually, before Jesus was ever born, took on the form of human flesh and appeared under Abraham. So some believe this was actually a, a pre-appearance of Jesus Christ. Whether that's true or not, I can't support it one way or the other. It was a divine, it, it was, it was a, a divine act going on here. So let's pick up with that. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal. Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham read, ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he, so he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Any of you wives ever done that? Listen to a husband's conversation going on. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old. Well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of bearing children. Now, now notice, I mean, they're very emphatic here. It was impossible physically for Sarah to bear a child. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Have I grown old? Shall I find pleasure, my Lord being old also? I would love to say that how I would say it, but I won't. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, you shall bear a child since I am old. If you read that story a little further, we discover that God, speaking through Abraham, said, next year by this time, you and Sarah will have a son. And you know what happened? They had a son who became the one to the bloodline of the nation of Israel and also the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Impossible thing that God did in that particular moment. Let's stop now and let's have prayer. Uh, we're going to have a time of intercessory prayer later on in the service because we've got so many sick people and I feel like we need to, need to be praying. But let's, let's, let's join our hearts together in prayer now and then we will talk about some of those prayer needs that we have. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the day you have blessed us with. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to stand in your presence today before these who have come into your house. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for everyone that has come. We thank you, O oh God, that you will bless those who are not able to be here today, those that are continually, Lord, been sick, Lord, those that are suffering with COVID, with flu and uh, RSV and, Lord, uh, just bad colds, O oh God. 
Father, Lord, we just pray that you will put your hand of mercy and grace upon them all. Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for those that are visiting us for the very first time today. God, we thank you for that. Lord, for others, for acquaintances that we have had throughout the years, Lord Jesus, that are here, dear friends of ours. We thank you, Lord, for them. And Father, Lord, we pray, God, that today you will prepare our hearts to receive the Word of God, receive the message, receive the truth, receive, Lord, what you have in store for us, what you have given unto us, Lord, to share with this congregation. Now, Father, Lord, we submit everything unto you, that your will be done on earth as it has already been determined in the heavens, and that we will walk, Lord, according to your counsel and your glory. Lord, may we everything be done, Lord Jesus, to honor you, to please you, to lift you up, because, Lord, you are worthy to be honored and you are worthy to be praised. Now, Father, Lord, we commit the service under your hand. Your will be done. Your will be done in all of us in this moment. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, if you will, uh, let's all stand together. We've got a couple more songs we want to share with you uh, as we continue our worship. You know, God never abandons us. He never leaves us. Never once has He left us alone.
<laughs> well, there's advantages to live musicians and there's disadvantages uh, to technology. Well, that was a good sound. It popped anyway. Just when you got company in the house. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. Did everybody have a good Christmas? There you go. <laughs> in the old days, we used to, this is testimony time. You know, it was, the Lord stopped and we're going to testify. Has God been good to you? Amen. Amen. God blessed you. Amen. Amen. I think I got a, a thumbs up. I think we're ready to go. We're finished with that song. Now we're going to turn our eyes to Jesus. Amen. Well, that's not the one we ought to do that one. It typically isn't this way. There you go. It's the last day of the year. That's right.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for meeting us here in this place today. Lord, we know that you're with us. We sense your closeness. We sense your presence, Lord. But Lord, we are no, whether we sense anything or not, we know that you're here. For the word says where two or three are gathered in your name, you're in the midst thereof. So Lord, we know you're in our midst today. And we honor you, and we recognize you, and we glorify you, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. The scripture foundation for our message today I want to share with you comes from the uh, Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. It's just one verse and it's one sentence. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say that with me. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Say it one more time. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, I suppose all of us in our lifetime have been met with some sort of situation or circumstance. We we, we were in a uh, a season of life where we have had to trust in God and Him only because there was nothing else to trust in. We've gone down every avenue. We've gone down every pathway. Uh, we've tried everything that we could do. We've sought everything we could seek for with no solution in sight. However, when we reach that point in time, that is when, I believe, when we get to that point, that is when our God shows up. Now, sometimes it's in the miraculous, sometimes it's in other ways, but I believe in those moments, God can do the impossible with us. Now, I want to stop just for a moment, and I want to share with you what our word for 2024 is going to be. Every year, uh, for those of you who are not familiar, every year I give you a word that I feel like the Holy Spirit has given unto me. And I give you a word, and we try to focus on that for all of this year. This year, the word that I'm going to share with you is the word believe. Uh, some months ago, as I was praying, I was actually praying about the church, and I was seeking God and asking a lot of questions and a lot of why. Why this? Why that? Why, why the other? It doesn't make any difference what behind the wise, but all, I was just asking why, and why again, and all of a sudden, I just heard the Spirit of God speak to me and said, just believe. I thought, well, I thought I had been, but evidently, I haven't been believing enough, but I believe, I do believe within my spirit that if we trust in God, if we trust in Him, then He's going to bring the past those things He has purposed in our lives in our church, uh, in our community, in our world. No matter what it looks like, no matter what we see, I believe God is going to do that. So our word this year is going to be the word believe. Now let me go back because really what I'm sharing with you today relates to this. So let's go back to the context of the, uh, that, that sentence we just shared. For with God, nothing will be impossible. 
Now, what we see, this is really the angelic appearance of Gabriel unto Mary, where he makes the announcement that she is going to be the bearer of God's son. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details of that, and we've talked about this a lot during Christmas, but one thing I want you to understand, one thing I want you to, to know about this, Mary never questioned what God said to her through the angel. Mary never questioned that it could happen. The only thing Mary ever questioned is, how is it going to happen? For you see, her response to the angel was, look, I'm a virgin. I'm engaged. Yes, I'm betrothed to a man. We have never been together. I've never been with a man. For me to be pregnant at this point in time is absolutely and completely, totally impossible. It cannot happen. But we find that God's answer to her through the angel is that with God, nothing will be impossible. When God is in it, there's nothing impossible with God. God can take the impossible and he can make it very possible in our lives. And I'm just foolish enough to believe. I don't know, but I am just foolish enough to believe that the same Holy Spirit, because that's the only, only thing the angel told Mary. He said, the Spirit that will come upon you and cause you to conceive. Now, you tell me, you think she understood that? Nope, she didn't understand that either. But I'm telling you, I believe the same Holy Spirit that came upon Mary, it's the same Holy Spirit that lives in us today as children of God. And I believe the same Holy Spirit that can work the impossible in Mary's life is the same Holy Spirit that can work in and through you to do what the impossible you may be facing. So with that, I want us to take it and, uh, and look at some impossible situations that God worked at in, in, in biblically. And I'm going to divide this up into four general areas. I'm going to give you some biblical examples. Now, I know a lot of people, they like current events. Well, I just think this is current. Because I think what God did then, God can do now. I think these stories I'm going to share with you are just as relevant in the 21st century as they were in that century, uh, many, many years ago and centuries ago. So the first area we're going to deal with is with our enemies. Now, I know you, when I say that, uh, when I say that, you know, all of us have an enemy, uh, some of you said, well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have anything against anyone. Now, there's no one on the face of this earth that I have anything against, and there's no one that has anything against me, so I don't know what you're talking about having, but let me tell you, if you are a child of God... And even if you're not a child of God, I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now, you got an enemy. you got a foe that works against you. And he does work against us. He works against the church. He works against us as uh, individual Christians. He tries to get his inroads into our lives. He is always trying to put things in front of us to keep us from accomplishing the will of God. But I want you to understand this morning that God is bigger than our enemy. 
And God is able to come against all the, th- all the forces that try to work against us. So I'm going to give you a few examples out of the Scriptures. All these are going to come out of the Old Testament. Oh, I know someone said, well, there, is anything, come, anything good come out of the Old Testament? Absolutely. There's a lot of good things come out of the Old Testament. And so I'm going to start with a prophet by the name of Elisha and his personal assistant. Now, I got, just got to give you a little background here so you understand what's going on. The Syrians... You know, if you look at this in contemporary times, Syria is still fighting against Israel. A lot of these warring tribes that fought against Israel then are still fighting against Israel now. We just know them by different names. Syria still exists. But you, you, uh, when you look at Hamas, there have been terrorist groups ever since God created the nation of Israel. But we find through this prophet, Syria was trying to come against Israel, and they they couldn't. They just couldn't make any inroads. And so what they did, they blamed the man of God, who at that time was Elisha. So can you you fathom that? Somebody blamed the man of God for things not going like they ought to go? So they, so they they blamed the man of God. And so... We find that Elisha and his personal assistant, they were in a, in, in a, in a house somewhere, and in uh, and, and, and Syria, during the night, came the armies of Syria came and encamped around where Elisha was staying because the word had been, bring him back to king, bring him back to me and let me deal with him. Well, the next morning, this is where we pick up the story, the next morning when the servant of the man of God rose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he's answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Think about it just for a moment. When the assistant saw the Assyrian army, Fear gripped him. And Elisha's response to him, those that are with us are more than are with them. With a servant, all he saw was me and Elisha. Two against thousands. What kind of odds is that? It's great odds if God's with you. Because if you look and you finish the story, the Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, the army of God had come down. The, uh, the, uh, the Syrians couldn't see it. The young man couldn't see it. But Elijah, when he looked out, he didn't see the Syrian army. He didn't see all the, all the chariots. He saw the chariots of God. He saw the chariots of fire. He saw the power of God all around about him. And if you read the story on, he prayed to God to blind the army. He, 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 uh, God blinded the army, led them back to Syria, opened up their eyes again and said, here, you're back home. Stay where you need to stay. <laughs> Don't come bother us no more. Then there's Moses. Moses and the, the children of Israel. 
I'm going to take you back after uh, God had delivered them from Egyptian bondage. And they were uh, in the wilderness. They were making their way to what they believed to be the promised land. But God, rather than taking them uh, to the direct, uh, direct route, which was only taking about a week maybe, he took them down south, and they ended up at a place called the Red Sea. And when they got to the brink of the Red Sea, they looked behind them, they see the dust clouds of the chariots of Pharaoh's army coming in pursuit after them. And so they did what all of us would do. They complained. They went to Moses. Why have you brought us here to die like this? Wouldn't we have been better back in Egypt than to die in this wilderness here? If you don't know this, let me tell you a little secret. I've shared this with you before. Let me share it again. God never takes you into the wilderness for you to die there. Now you say, you say, well, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about a wilderness. I'm talking at a place where there just isn't anything around you. I'm talking about a place of desolation. I'm talking a place where there, there seems like there's no aid, there's no help for you at all. God never takes you into that wilderness of dryness, of deadness, of, of, of inactivity where you can't see God working, you can't see God moving at all. God never takes you there to die there. And God didn't bring them to die in the wilderness. And so then we see that Moses standing on the brink of the Red Sea with a rod, that staff that God had given to him. And this is what Moses said to the people because what God said to him. He said, do not be afraid, stand still, see the salvation of the Lord which the, he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see them again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace I believe we serve the same God like that day amen then let's let, let me let me take you to the book of Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego y'all anybody ever remember those three guys they were friends of Daniel who had been uh, uh, exported during the uh, uh, Babylonian captivity to find themselves in the, in the court of, of Nebuchadnezzar. And they're, they're elevated, and, and uh, they have become leaders in the court of the king. But then we find that King Nebuchadnezzar gets this bright idea one day to build this humongous statue. Now, some say it was uh, a statue of himself, but others believe, no, it was a statue of some sort of God that they worship. And so the instructions were, they called all the people together, all the leadership together into this plain of Dura. And they, when they, the musical instruments, when the band struck up, everybody was to kneel down. Everybody was to bow down and worship this gold image of that Nebuchadnezzar had erected. Well, when that happened, everybody bowed down. Everybody bowed down except three men. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, there's always a snitch in the crowd. Of course, you know, they, you couldn't hide very much when everybody's on their faces and they're standing up. So somebody goes and reports to the king. These Hebrew servants of yours... They have defied, and they, will, they refuse to worship your God. Then, we're going to pick up the story here, the Scripture. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, 
Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, and the psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And who? Now, I want you to know this defiant statement of Nebuchadnezzar. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? You know what Nebuchadnezzar was saying? There is nobody greater than I. There is no God that's ever been created. There is no God that's ever existed. There is no God that can stand against the mighty me. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case... Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Sometimes for God to do the impossible in our lives, we have to stand. We sang that old song in the beginning of the service, standing on the promises of God. Sometimes even when you're, even you, you're facing the fiery furnace, even you're facing death itself, you have to stand on the promise of God's word. We are not going to defile ourselves. We're not going to worship this God you've erected. We're not going to worship you. We're only going to recognize one God and one God only. And then at that, if you know the rest of the story, they got thrown in the fiery furnace. But when what came out were not cremains. What, what came out was not ashes. What came out was three men that went in. And the three men that came out, it says they didn't even smell off smoke. Their, hen, their hair was not even, even singed at all. And then Nebuchadnezzar declared, you're God, he's God. See, God can work the impossible. Then, 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 there's, then there's one other in this area of our enemy. I know I'm, I'm giving a little overkill here. But let's stay in the book of Daniel with Daniel himself. Now, Daniel was a man who determined from his exile, from the time of his captivity, he was brought into this strange land. He was, he, he was, he was brought to, he was trained to be a good Babylonian citizen. He's only a young teenage boy. But he determined he would not be changed. He determined he would not be, he would not be influenced by the culture he found himself in. He was going to serve God and God alone. And that's what he did. That's what he did. He, he, he would not be moved, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would not be moved. Well, there was always plots against his life. There was always plots. You see, the enemy's always trying to destroy you if he can. 
If he can try to destroy you, that's exactly what he's going to try to do. And so there's plots and there's, there's rumors, there's all kinds of... So finally somebody come up and said, well, the only thing we can find this guy does on a consistent basis that might be a, a way to get in him, this guy prays three times a day. Every day, he goes up to his room, opens up the door to the east, he prays toward Jerusalem. I tell you what, let's go to the king. Let's make the king sign an edict that anyone for the period of 30 days worships or prays that any other God but the God of, 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 of Babylon or the God of the, of, of the, of the Medo-Persians. At this time, it was Medo-Persians. And so they took it to the king. They catered to his ego. That's what they did. They catered to his ego. He signed the edict. Now, they, they, had, the, they had the craziest law I, I think I've ever heard of. Once the king signed a law, then that law was irrevocable. You couldn't change it. Even the king couldn't change it. So he signed this edict. And sure enough, Daniel finds that out. You know what Daniel does, don't you? Daniel goes to his room, throws, up his, throws out, th- opens his shutters, Gets on his knees, he prays. Meeting reported to the king. Well, the king, he has, to, he has to do what he says he's going to do. He can't change it. And so they throw Daniel into the lion's den. And so that's where we pick up the story when Daniel's thrown to the lion's den. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians. Uh, musicians were brought before him. Also, his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning, went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has God, has your God whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lines. This man's in anguish. Now, if I were making a movie, I would have a dramatic pause right here. Perfect place for it. There would be that moment of total silence. I don't know if there was that, that dramatic pause or not. I don't know how long it took Daniel to respond. In my mind, the king never thought he would hear Daniel's voice. But then all of a sudden, out of the silence, Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me, hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was exceedingly glad, brought him out of the lion's den, and then you, you, you don't know the rest of the story. It was not good for those who tried to trick up Daniel. Let me tell you something. This is something I have discovered from this story. You know, one of, the, one of the things the enemy loves to do, he loves to have yapping, 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 that's, that's the right word, yapping instruments. He loves to have people who love to talk. He loves to have people that loves to spread gossip and lies and innuendos and, 
and, and now go on Facebook. You don't have to speak it now. You write it out. Let me tell you something. I've seen it. I know. God has a way of shutting the mouths of the lions. The lions want to destroy, but God, God can give us the victory. He can, he can, he can shut the mouths of the lions. Now, let's move on to the next area. That's our sicknesses. And, and you know, there's, there's a lot of that going on. But I'm not talking about just common colds and flus, but, but sometimes we're faced with, with sicknesses that, that just seem to be impossible. There seems to be nothing that nobody can do. And I'm going to bring this to the New Testament. One of my favorite stories out of the New Testament is the woman with the issue of blood. And so we pick up the story, Mark chapter 5, beginning verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood of 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but grew, but rather grew worse. Then she heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I touch his clothes. Now this is New King James. I, I really like the, the, the King James. It says, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Sometimes we just have to touch Jesus. We have to have faith enough to touch him. You know, I know sometimes, sometimes it doesn't happen. I know, I understand that sometimes people can have real faith and they not be healed in this way. But let's don't limit the power of God. Let's don't, let, let, let's don't buy into the lie of this age that healing is past, healing is over with. Jesus doesn't do things like that today. Yes, he does. Jesus still heals in this world today. There was another one that, 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 that I love, a man by the name of Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, he is called. And we find that we pick up the story in Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, that's Jesus and his entourage of disciples, and he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging, and when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet. Has anybody ever told you to hush in church? Anybody said, you're too loud? 
unless you are totally disruptive, unless you're being used by the enemy, you won't ever get too loud for me. You're not loud enough. You see, the enemy wants to hush us up. The enemy wants us to be dead and to be quiet. But Timaeus, he would have no, no, he would have no part of that. For he had to get to Jesus. <laughs> and so the more they told him to shut up, sorry, the more the louder he got. And so, and so he cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he arose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? Huh. You ever heard anybody say, I know you have because I've said it. Be specific in your prayers. Tell Jesus what you want. He'll take care of the rest of it. It's okay to tell him what you feel you need. It's okay to say, Jesus, I need this healing. It's okay to say, Jesus, I need you to do this in my life. It is okay. So the blind man said to him, Rabbi, I did I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, now I want you to notice something here. Now, I believe in laying on hands. We believe in anointing and all that kind of stuff. But I want you to notice that Jesus didn't lay a hand on him. Jesus didn't even pray over him. That's the power of God. That, 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 that's, that's the work of Jesus. And so he, he just simply said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And then notice the last statement here. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. This man who was blind now could see because of what Jesus Christ did. The Apostle Paul, I'll finish this, this, this section with him. The Apostle Paul, the, the, the context of this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the context of this, Paul is relating an instance after he accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Somehow or another, God transported him. The Holy Spirit took him into a heavenly realm where he saw things that he said that no man should utter. And he couldn't tell what he had seen. He had been instructed not to tell these things. But after he came back from that experience, then he said there was a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. We don't know what it was. We don't know what he was afflicted with. All we know is he was afflicted with something that was hindering him and affected him in his flesh. And then he says, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And notice Jesus' response to him, response we have used often. 
that my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Then the Apostle Paul said, Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You say, why are you telling us this? You're talking about miracles. You're talking about God doing miracles. And here, God didn't do a miracle. Let me tell you, one of the greater part of, parts of miracles is God giving you the grace to do what you have to do and endure what you have to endure and to be what he wants you to be for his glory and for his honor. Sometimes it's not all about the miraculous healing. Sometimes it's about the miraculous preservation of God Almighty. And then that leads me to, 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 the, to the third area where God can do these impossible things. And that's with our basic needs. You, you understand, I hope you do, that God cares about your every need. God cares about how you live. God cares about what you have and what you don't have. God cares about the little things in your life. I know that this, this, this doesn't mean anything and doesn't have anything to do with the price of eggs in China or anything else that comes out of China as far as that concerns. But I remember years, just years and years ago, I was a young Christian. God was testing, testing my faith. And I remember one cold day, one cold winter's day, I get into my 1973 Vega. Anybody ever remember those? That was my first car, a 1973 Vega. And I get into this car. It's cold. I mean, it's really a cold day. And I turn on the heat, and lo and behold, the heat doesn't work. It's doing nothing but blowing cold air. And so I laid my hand on the dashboard. I said, Lord, you tell me you care about my needs. And right now I need this heater to come on. You know what? Hot air began to blow out. <laughs> you see, you say, well, what? God doesn't care about the heater on your car. Yes, he does. God cares about the heater on your car. God cares about your physical needs. God cares about what, wherever you are. And I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the Old Testament, to the prophet Elijah. We all talked about Elisha and the, the, the one that, 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 that actually uh, uh, commissioned Elisha into prophetic ministry was Elijah. And we find that, that God was using him to give it prophetic words, especially to Ahab, the king of uh, Israel. Ahab was a wicked man, and God had made a pronouncement, there's going to be a famine on the face of the earth for three and a half years, and so God takes, uh, takes Elijah and puts him, when the, when the famine is getting very severe, puts him by the, the brook of Kenneth, and he sends a raven to bring him meat every day, and he's fed from it, he's watered through the brook, and the brook dries up, and then he sends him to the city of Seraphath, not in Israel, but in Sidon. That's where he sends, that's where he sends the prophet to. It says, and the word of the Lord came to him saying, 
Arise, go to Seraphat, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Seraphath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as he was, she was going to get it, he called out to her and said, Hey, bring me a little cake of a, a morsel of bread in your hand. She stopped. So she said, As the Lord your God lives. Now notice, she didn't say, as the Lord my God lives. See, she was a pagan. She was an Israelite. She wasn't part of covenant promise. She said, as the Lord your God lives, I have only, I have not only, I, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and only a little oil in the jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. You talk about in a moment of distress and despair. This is it. Me and my son are dead. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. <laughs> go and do as I have said but make me a little cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. For thus the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour will not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Now, that's, that's a lot to take in. She knows she's got just... A little. That's all she's got. She's got no more. And you tell me if I make you a cake first, if I give you bread first, God's going to multiply this? But she believed him. She trusted him. Let me tell you. There's a lesson here. You need to hear this lesson. If you put God first, you put the plan of God first, God will take care of you. Now, you may not have, you may not have it running over. You may not have it running out of ears. You may not have a million dollars in the bank. That's not the issue. But if you put God first, put Him first, and that's where I see a lot of people get in trouble. And I look, a lot of, I look a lot of people around here, and they can't figure out why their lives are like they are. I'm going to tell you why your life is like it is. It's because you don't put God first. If you put Him first, God will take care of me, me, I know I've said this, and it sound, I know it's every time I talk about it, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I could tell you time after time after time after time after time where we had put God first in everything, with our finances, with our home, with our children, and God looked after every situation that came up. It might have not been there when we thought we needed it, but by the end of it, it was there. God has paid a lot of things for us. You may think I'm crazy. 
But I'm telling you, God has paid a lot of things for us. I've never been late on a bill. It's not because I had a ton of money in the, in, in, in the bank. I remember the days. Thank God I don't have those days now. But I remember the days when we paid out everything we had to pay out in a month. In a month. Including our ties to the church. When we had paid everything out, we had $100 to live on for that month. You said, well, that, 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 well, $100 went further than does that. Well, that, that's absolutely true. But let me tell you, it was tough then. And there was a many a time I wondered, God, where in the, how in the world are we going to live? How are we going to live? And you know what? We did live. Now, we went out some things, we didn't have some things. We didn't eat out, we didn't eat out, we didn't, we didn't do a lot of things, but nevertheless, we had everything that we needed. We never stopped giving to God first. We never stopped honoring God first. We didn't complain. We didn't argue. We didn't gripe. We didn't say, God, this isn't fair. We just knew we had to do what we had to do. And just like that widow woman, and I believe with all of my heart when I look at that, she had a little bit of meal in the barrel. I believe every time she went to the barrel, there was the same amount of meal. I don't think God filled the barrel up to overflowing. I don't think you filled the oil cruise up to overflowing. I believe every time she, it was time to cook a meal, she went there. There was just enough meal for that day. And every time she took the oil, there was just enough oil for that day. Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Whew. Oh well. And the apostle Paul said, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory. Okay, that brings us to the final area. And somebody said, thank God. Whew, it's been way too long. And this is in the area of our salvation. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to really, it is in the area of our salvation, but it's in the area of our spiritual lives. God, God takes care of us spiritually. We find in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 19, an instance, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I didn't go back, I should have, should have gone back and, and verified this. I believe this is actually coming on the heels of Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler. And God basically told him to go sell everything you had, give to the poor, and come follow me. And the young man just walked away sorrowful. And I think it's after this that Jesus has this conversation with his disciples. And he says to them, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And when his disciples heard that, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? You see, there was, there was, a, there was an ideology or a philosophy or whatever you thought in that time that if you were wealthy, that was a sign of God's blessing on you. And here Jesus says, it's hard for a rich man to get into the kingdom of God. Does that mean it's, it's, it's wrong to be, you're, it's, it's bad to be rich? No, 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 it's not bad to be rich. Nothing wrong with that. 
So here they're perplexed. We've always been taught, we've always been told that if somebody's prosperous, then that's, that's the sign of God's favor. But yet you're saying they're going to have a hard time getting into the kingdom. And I want you to notice what, what Jesus said to them. But Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. See, God makes a way where there is no way. God opens doors where there are no doors to be opened. God can do contrary to what our culture tells us. God is in control of all of that. And so we, we bring this to a conclusion, to an end. I praise Tim. Why don't y'all come, come on back up and uh, get ready for, for the next song we're going to do. And we find that there was a, a man that brought his son to Jesus. And, and there was again a multitude. And the man came up to Jesus and kneeling down to him. And he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. And it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then notice, later on, the disciples privately went to Jesus and asked him, Why could we not cast it out? Why, why couldn't we cast that demon out? Notice what Jesus said to him. Because of your unbelief. For surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind goes out, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Hmm. Sometimes we limit the work of God because we just don't believe. We just don't believe. And I'm here to tell you that God is able. Now, does everything happen just like I want it to happen? No. Sometimes I get disappointed, yes. Sometimes I get frustrated, yes. But you just have to keep on believing. Most of you here would be familiar with the name of Henry Ford. Would I, would I be right in my assumption? Some of you drive his products. Well, Henry Ford came up with a revolutionary plan for a new kind of engine, which we know today as the V8. Ford was eager to, to get his new idea into production. He had some men to draw out uh, some plans and present them to the engineers. And as the engineers studied the drawings, one by one, they came to the same conclusion. Their visionary boss just didn't know how much, didn't know much about the fundamental principles of engineering. In other words, they don't know what he's talking about. 
and they had to tell him gently his dream was impossible. Ford said, produce it anyway. They replied, but it's impossible. Go ahead. He commanded, you stay on the job and to succeed no matter how much time is required. For six months, they struggled with drawing after drawing, design after design, nothing. After another six months, nothing. At the end of the year, Ford checked in with his engineers, and they once again told him what they wanted, what, 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 what they knew was the reality. It is impossible. What you want to do cannot be done. Ford told them, keep on trying. Well, they did. And many of you still drive a V8. Because they figured out how to build a V8 engine. Now, it is easy to sit back and say, God can't do this. God can't do that. God can't work in this. God can't, God can't, God can't, God can't, God can't. That's not what I read in the scriptures. All I hear is God can. And what we say God can't do, God is able to do. Do you believe that? No, you don't. That was too poor of a response. No, you don't believe that. You have to believe and not give up. No matter how long it takes until God's purpose is determined. Please stand with me. We're gonna we're gonna sing it, we're gonna sing a song and then we're gonna close out with prayer. This song is break every chain. And I believe God is able to break chains. And bring deliverance. And to do what somebody's told you you can't do. Sometimes I really do like for people to tell me it can't be done. Because that just drives me on. That, that, just, that just drives me on. Just tell me it can't be done. Well, I may can't do it. But I know who can. So let's sing this together. This altar is going to be open to you. If you feel the nudge in the Holy Spirit, you come. We'll pray over you. But God can do the impossible. There's been people that have been saved. The people have said that person is, is, is lost beyond measure. They can never be saved. Some of you said, my life can't change. But it can. I can't get rid of what's that thorn in my flesh. But God can give you the sufficient grace you need. Don't say you can't. Only say you can't when God says it can't be done. Or he says it shouldn't be done. Let's see him break some chains.
break, the break that's holding you. His grace is Is there anyone that you need prayer this morning? You need, you, you need a touch from heaven. You need God to, to, to do something in your life. If so, I invite you to come. We'll pray over you. And we'll believe God together. See, there's no power in me. There's power in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Anyone need prayer this morning? Thank you. Let's pray for Miss Molly uh, McClam. Uh, she is uh, in the rehab center at Wake uh, Med Carey. Let's continue to lift her up. And Billy Beasley, Cheryl, if you notice, uh, part of our praise team, she is sick today, and she's, she's had a lot of sickness over the last few weeks. Let's lift her up. Let's pray for her. When there's, there's a lot of other needs among us, let's just pray. Let's pray for over our church. That God will touch and bless our church. And we will be and become 
the church that Jesus wants us to be and to become. Stacey wants to pray for, uh, this is a co-worker, right? Her name's Donna. She's, uh, she's had a lot of a stroke. And uh, they, they brought her home. And it's a lot of stress. Uh, anyone would like to come and join us in this prayer uh, over CC for this need. Thank you, Lord. Let us hear your voice, oh God. Let us hear your word. Lord Jesus, we lay our hands, Lord, upon C.C. now and ask, O oh God, for your divine intervention, Lord, in Donna's life and the life of her family, Lord. Lord, she, she's had this stroke, and God, we don't know, Lord. We don't know all, everything that it is we need to know, but you know it all. And so, God, I pray, Lord, over this family. I pray for a supernatural strength and power, Lord, for them. And Lord, for intervention, God, in their lives. And Lord, that you will touch them and bless them and minister unto them. And give them the grace and the mercy, Lord, that they need. For Lord Jesus, there is nothing impossible with you. Father, I pray, Lord, for Miss Molly McLam. God, I pray, God, that you will touch Miss. You have touched Miss Molly. Lord, you have blessed her. Continue to touch her. Continue to bless her. Continue, Lord, to minister, Lord, unto her. I pray, oh God, that you will, Lord, just touch Billy Beasley, Lord, as he's fighting this cancer. And, Lord, be with him. And I know, Lord, it's a struggle and a struggle for everyone around them. That, God, that you will put your hand of grace and your hand of mercy, Lord, upon them. Lord, I pray, Lord, for Eric Marshburn, Lord, today as he's lost his dear partner in ministry and, and life, oh God. And Lord, just we just I thank you, Lord, for Miss Clara Marshburn and all that she meant to so many people over the years. May you bless him and may you undergird him. May you touch him by your strength and, Lord, by your power. Father, I pray, Lord, over our church, oh God. I pray, Lord, that you will do the impossible here at this church, oh God. That, Lord, that you will work in the miraculous, Lord, among us. That, God, you will break chains, Lord, that have bound us uh, far too long. And, Lord Jesus, the enemy's had it far too long. The enemy, Lord Jesus, has had his way far too long. And, Lord Jesus, I pray that you will unloose, unbound, unfetter. Lord, shut the mouths of the lions. Lord Jesus, break, Lord, the chains of darkness and Lord Jesus every need every sickness God Lord I believe there's a spirit of sickness Lord that invades Lord many churches and I believe this church and I pray against the spirit of sickness oh God that Lord that comes against people and Lord keeps them bound up Lord again and again and again and I pray God that you will unloose as we touch the hem of your garment oh God that Lord that you would unloose us unbind us and, Lord, set us free. Thank you, Lord, for everything you have done. And, Lord Jesus, we pray over this new year, my God, that, Lord Jesus, we, you know what's in store for us. And, Father, Lord, may you touch, and, Lord, may you bless, and, Lord, may you minister by your grace and by your mercy. We pray for those that are lost without you, God, that, Lord, that you may set the captive free. And, Father, Lord, those that are bound up, 
Lord Jesus, by sin, Lord Jesus, break it. Those, Lord, among us have allowed sin to creep back into our lives. And, Lord, we've allowed things, Lord, to become a part of us that should not be. Break those things in us, so oh God. As we begin our fast next week, God, break, Lord Jesus, suppress those things. Bring them, Lord Jesus, Lord, to the surface and release us, Lord, from those things that bind us up. Father, Lord, we love you, Lord, with everything that is within us. And let the power of Christ rest upon us now. Lord, in your precious and your holy name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Is there anyone else who needs prayer? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Amen. Miss Rhonda Peterson, who's been attending our church, her sister passed away. And Miss Kanye's not feeling well. She's, she's got that cold. They say it's just a cold. Don't feel like just a cold. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we pray, Lord, for Rhonda, God. Lord, as she's going through her grief, and Lord Jesus, through, God, with her sister, God, we pray that you will touch Rhonda. Lord, that you will bless her, and God, give her the strength that she needs. Lord, we pray for Miss Connie, God, just bless Miss Connie, Lord, and put your hand of mercy and grace upon her, Lord, right now. And God, bring that healing, Lord, that deliverance that she needs, and others that have colds among us. Father, Lord, we bind up all of these things in Jesus' name. And Father, Lord, just, 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 uh, just open up, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that, that, that needs to be opened up. And God, everybody's traveling, Lord, our highways and, 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 and skyways and, Lord, trainways. And Lord Jesus, all of these things, Lord Jesus, we pray, God, for safety of travel in the, in, in the cars. And Lord Jesus, keep people as they're going back and forth and coming home and going wherever they're going, God, to keep them safe. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And Lord, we love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for everything you have done for us. And we bless you, Lord Jesus, because you are worthy to be blessed. And now, Lord Jesus, we surrender this to you. Lord, we, we pray for Cynthia Schoenfeld, God. Lord, touch Cynthia. I know she's here in the sanctuary, God, but touch Cynthia, Lord. Father, Lord, just touch that back, Lord Jesus, those pinched nerves, Lord. I know doctors have great intervention, but Lord, I know that you're an intervener too. And God, Lord, that, 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 that disc that is bulging and slipped, and that, that nerve that is pinched, God. Lord, I know you have the power to straighten it up. Mm. Straighten it up in Jesus' name. And Father, Lord, let her find that relief she needs, Lord, by your strength and your power, God. Lord, your will be done in all of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Help us to hear you, Lord. Help us to hear you, Lord. Jesus. May God's grace and mercy go with us. May God's favor shine upon us. May the peace of God just rest upon us. And we will give you praise. God, 
keep everybody safe. And I know there's going to be a lot of things going on this evening. As people are celebrating. And people are going to do stupid things. People are going to be drinking. But God, protect. Protect. Protect the foolishness of men. And help us, O oh Lord, to be a light in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God be with you.